brand new series. Everybody say Q and A. If you notice, these big giant letters are not normally behind me. I'm going to miss, there's normally a screen right here, and I really like pointing to it a lot, and so I'm going to miss that. But we thought we'd just do something different. So how many of you know what this is called? Does anybody know what this is called? Yeah, I didn't know that. And so um, this is news to me. I'm like, that's an and symbol, right? It's an ampersand? Something like that. Anyway, we are in a series called Q&A, and here's why. As a pastor, um, I, I, I love people. I love talking to people. I love meeting people. Anytime I'm out in, in just the world, society, and culture, you know, people. And it's funny, too, because I never tell people I'm a pastor um, unless they ask. And, and the reason why is because everybody changes once they know I'm a pastor. A lot less F-bombs. And so... Um, <laughs> The people are just different or they're like, oh, oh, hey, you know, sorry about that, you know, or whatever. And, and I, I just love people. I don't, I don't let any of that bother me. And so I, I typically don't ask. But then once they find out I'm a pastor, you know what they begin to do? They have questions like, oh, you're a pastor. They want to ask me about something crazy or they. And so people want to know questions like, hey, what does the Bible say about or what does God say about or what do you think about? Or I just have people that are Christians that are followers of God and say, hey, what does the Bible say? Can you give me some godly counsel? And so here's what I've discovered, though, is that we all are asking the same questions. Did you know that? Like all of like we think. Our life is so unique and we are so individuals and nobody knows what I'm going through and nobody's experiencing what I'm experiencing. And I have really bad news for you. We are just like everybody else. We all experience some of the exact same things in life. And so today we begin this series called Q&A because this is a series where I want to address some of the main stuff that I get asked over and over and over. As a matter of fact, when people come into my office and counseling, many times... Um, I already know where they're going, and I've had that conversation so many times. It's like, okay, here's where we're going to do. Here's where we're going to go. Here's what we're going to talk about. Here's, I want you to read this, think about this. And so, why? Because we're always uh, falling into the same traps. We're all running into the same issues because of the day that we live in and the culture that we live in. And so because of that, we want to tackle some of the same stuff that I deal with, that you deal with. And it's not just stuff that we deal with once. It's stuff that is reoccurring. In our life. And these are the big questions that I find everybody asking. And here's the deal. The Bible has incredible insight. The Bible has incredible wisdom. So if you're here today and you're like, hey, I'm not even a God guy. I just got roped into baby dedication. Listen to me. If you'll just listen to what I have to say, the principles alone will change your life. You can say, I don't believe in miracles. I don't believe... Forget it then. Don't let that mess you up. Just hang with me. And I promise by the end of this, if you apply what I'm talking about, this wisdom is universal. I promise. And so today we're going to look at one of the questions that I get almost immediately. It's one of the most asked questions is this, is how do I get over my stress? How do I deal with stress? And I don't know how many out there know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all do this. We, cause you ever do this? You ever meet somebody? And you haven't seen him in a while. Hey, man, how are you doing? What's going on? Oh, whew. busy, busy. How you been? Whew. Tired. Got a lot going on. Got, got. And, 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 you know, really what they're, what they're saying is, is they're, they're stressed. As a matter of fact, I read something so fascinating, and it's that, and I'll read it for you so I don't mess up the numbers. It's that Americans spend $800 million plus dollars per year in anti-anxiety medicine. That's a lot. What's, what's fascinating is, is that Americans only make like 5% of the world population, but we spend over 30% of the money on anxiety pills. 
You would think America's the most blessed nation on planet Earth. We're the most technologically advanced place on planet Earth. We are the most prosperous country on planet Earth right now. And you would think if anybody should be chilled out a little bit, you think it would be us and we're the opposite. As a matter of fact, studies show that the more advanced the society becomes, the more stressed out they become. This idea, now, now let me tell you where stress comes from. Stress was originally a um, kind of a construction term. It had to do with the amount of pressure per square foot that you were putting on something. It was never used to talk about people and their problems, people and their issues. It was, it was construction. It was a physics term. It was stress. And then all of a sudden they, they realized this is what people are doing to their lives, that there's a burden, there's a weight on them. And when we put too much weight, there begins this bend and this bow, and then that's where we think we're going to lose it. And how many know, too, when you get stressed, it begins to affect everything around you, right? It affects your relationships. It affects how you're getting along with your husband, how you're getting along with your wife, how you're treating your kids. You know, you get every, your physical body's affected. I remember being a young man, and um, I was, I think I was only like 20 years old, and I was put in charge of this youth ministry. And I had to follow the heels of this really, really successful guy. There's like a couple hundred kids in the youth group. And I'm, I'm put in charge when I'm only 20 years old. And my hair, I remember my hair started thinning out. I was so stressing myself out. I could do one of these and just, ah! You know, and you're like, I'm 20. Stop it. And I realized, man, I am wearing myself out. And all the stress and all the pressure, it was not from outside sources. Who was putting the stress? Me. And many times that's the way we live life is we sometimes some of us, we build a life where we put too much on. Some of us, it's not that bad, but our maybe our perspective about all that's going on around us is there. Hey, some of this, I'm going to tell you something really uh, shocking. You're going to be surprised when I say this. Many of us put on undue stress because we live outside of God's ways. This is what we call sin, isn't it? When we live outside of God's ways, how many of you have ever found more stress? Don't raise your hand. How many of you have ever found more stress just simply because you were acting some way other than the way God would have you act? That you were making decisions other than the way. And, and, and to put it real simple, I just put it like this. Whenever we choose to stray from God's ways, we are inviting stress because sin equals stress. It just, it just does. And so this is the way we all are because of life. Now, sometimes stress is there just because life circumstances. We live in a fallen world. Sin is all around us. Evil's around us. There's bad things. The Bible says that the sun shines on the righteous and the unrighteous. I mean, just, there's stuff around us that causes us stress. For some of you, it's finances. I talked to a couple just a couple weeks ago. The financial pressure of living in Livermore, of living in Northern California here, where you got these high real estate prices, and we move from another state, and we feel like God, it just seems like we can never get, you know, the ends to meet here. So we have that. We have. We have some of us have relational stress. Our wife, our husband, our spouse, they are wearing us out. Your kids. Some of y'all, your kids are stressing you out. I remember one time there was a season. Uh, my wife, this is so funny. Uh, my wife was so wore out by the end of the day that at 5 o'clock she'd be like, where are you at? And I'd come home and the kids would be playing and things, things seemed to be peaceful. And I'd find her like in the corner of the bedroom, kind of underneath. I'd be like, babe, what are you doing? She's like, shh, they don't know. Like the walking dead, and we don't want to hear the zombies to hear us, you know, kind of a thing. Shh. They don't know. I mean, because your kids are, because kids are kids. And so, so we live a life, and so here's, so here's the big question. So we all admit that life can be stressful, right? Are we all there? The question becomes, how do I deal with my stress? And I'm going to give you some incredible, there's six practical, practical, 
powerful principles. Live by the guy that endured the most stress of any human being in his time. I'm going to say he endured more stress than any human being ever. It was Jesus. Now, most of you would never think Jesus had stress. You think, well, he guy walked on water. He do whatever you want. You don't have to live with stress. No, no, stress. Because where does stress come from? Doesn't stress many times come from the level of responsibility that you have? That stresses you out? Okay. Savior of the world. How do you like that responsibility? The whole world. Past, future, future, present, all of them. Savior of the world. Try that on. That's harder than the president of the United States, right? Hey, how, how many know sometimes expectations, people, people's expectations of you puts this undue pressure on you? And then all of a sudden you're like, God, what, what? you know, like, do you remember Jesus' first miracle? The reason why he performed his first miracle? Because his mom was stressed out. And so when his mom didn't have the answer because she's flipping out, this is where they ran out of wine at the wedding, and she's stressed out because she was the wedding coordinator, she looks over at Jesus like, you need to do something right now. And you have not played that God card yet. You are 30. It is time to go, mister. And so that is... That's a high level of expectation when your mom starts pulling the God card out on you, you know, that, you know, think about the level of criticism that he was under. Think about the time, it isn't time demand put you under stress. Everybody wanted a piece of the action. Everybody, they were literally, whenever they would find Jesus, mobs would show up. This is why he fed 5,000 men, not including women and children. Why? Because they followed him out there just so that they could hear him. Just, they used to bring people. When they'd find out he was in a city, they'd bring their broke down people, their sick and diseased people, and they just dragged them to Jesus. Talk about incredible pressure and expectation. This was Jesus. And Jesus yet seemed to go through life. Handling it pretty well, didn't he? I mean, he had a couple of moments where he went off on the Pharisees, and that was entertaining. But other than that, I mean, it was, he seemed to handle things. I guess he was the son of God. He was the perfect sacrifice that God sent into the world. But how did he live his life? Let me give you six principles that I'm going to show you. This is how Jesus just kind of lived his life in principle. Are you ready? You're taking notes. Number one is, number one is not there. There's an, there's an, there's an amper stand right there. Uh, amper stand? Stand? Damn, it doesn't even matter. No, number, number one is this, and you can take notes. It's going to be on the screen. Number one is this. It's a principle that you need to live by to manage your stress and to manage it well. Because most Americans, we can admit, we're not managing it real well. Number one is this, is you have to know who you are. This is so important. Knowing who you are is the key to it all. Because when you don't know who you are, you will react to every one of life's situations with insecurity. Because you're not sure of yourself. You're not 100% confident. You're not 100% at peace with who you are. This is why if you look at the life of Jesus, especially if you follow him through the book of John, for example, you'll hear him say stuff like this. Well, I'm the light of the world. I'm just putting that out there. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. How many of us some self-assurance and confidence right there? I am the good shepherd. I am God's son. I am the bread of life. I, I am. He goes to the light. I just... I just want you to know the reason why I handle stress and I just continue to work through life is I know exactly who I am. Because see, here's the deal for you. If you don't know who you are, you will succumb to the definition that everybody else has for who you are. You will be what they said about you back in middle school. They will be what you, you know, what your parent or your dad or your mom said about you, what the coworker said, what that boss that fired you said, and you will begin to define yourself based on what other people have said about you because you don't really know who you are, so you just surrender to everybody else's definition of who you are. This is why reading the Bible is so important. This is one of the things I get when, for instance, if somebody comes in 
And we're working through like a counseling situation. It's one of the first things I go to. I actually have a document that I made that I give to people. And the whole document is this. It's a document that looks at almost all of the New Testament examples of where God calls you something. Like, like I want you to know like the whole New Testament is really God trying to rewire how you think about yourself. And so we have these scriptures like this. We have these scriptures like John 1, 12 that says this. I'm a child of God. I just want you to know. I'm just put, I'm putting that on front street. In case you don't know. I'm a child of God. Number two, I'm redeemed. Like my life has worth and value. Do you know how much worth and value my life has? I need you to know how important I am. That my life was so valuable to God that he was willing to sacrifice his son to pray for my life. Like, so you don't get to talk to me like that. And you don't get to demean me. And you don't get to treat me a certain way. Because I have incredible value. So I'm not taking the stress I'm not taking the undue expectations. I'm not taking the burdens of life because I know, I know who I am. And when I know who I am, I don't respond to life insecurely. I respond to life with the security of knowing what God has spoken over me. And then I just begin to live and act that way. I live out what God has said about me, not what you said about me. Because let's be honest, I'm a pastor and I literally have people grade my sermon every Sunday morning. I have people that go out of here and give a grade, give it a number, talk about, you know, like, and, and what if every sermon I preach that was not so good and I get the criticism, I'm like, oh my God, they don't like me. You know, you, you, just, you can't live insecurely. You can't lead insecurely. You can't be a great husband, a great dad, a great wife, a great mom. You can't lead life and live life insecurely. If not, you take on all the pressure of the world. And I'm telling you the key, really the key to knowing who you are, it really begins with knowing whose you are. And for those of you who may not know God, and, and, and this is kind of new, I'm just telling you that this is maybe the first step that you need to take towards kind of living a stress-free life and saying, you know what, I've been living life all on my own, apart from God. No wonder it seems so difficult. I, I'm doing this on my own strength and my own ability, and I'm letting everybody else define who I am. It starts with knowing who you are. Principle number two is this. This is really important. It, it's not just knowing who you are. You have to take it the next step and actually know whom. Everybody say whom. Sometimes it's who. Sometimes it's whom. This is whom. Know whom you're trying to please. Now, again, this is, this is why it's so important. Because if you don't know who you're living your life for and whom you're trying to please, I'm, I'm going I'm to let you in on a secret here. You can never, ever please everybody. It's impossible. This is why at any one given moment in time, the President of the United States is hated by half the country. Right? You, your life is the same way. It's not going to be 50-50, but you're going to have life where no matter what you do, you live for God. Some of your other friends, they're going to think you're stupid, not like you. You're going to live a certain way. You're going to get catch flack from these people. You're never going to be able to meet everybody's expectations. You're never going to be able to live up to everybody's standards. And I'm telling you, who cares? Because I don't live my life for you. I live my life for an audience of one. Let me read what Jesus said. John chapter 5, verse 30 says this. By myself, I can't do anything. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself, but who? But him who sent me. I'm living a life for an audience of one, and because of that, I don't have to succumb. Because when I don't, listen to me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to become insecure again. I'm going I'm to, every time there's criticism, I'm going to crumble. Or I get into, I'm going to be real competitive with other people, trying to beat other people and beat out other people. Why? Because I'm, I'm having to prove myself to you? Wait a minute, that's not a healthy approach to life. And because of that, I'm putting undue stress on me because I don't even know whom I'm trying to please. Let's keep going. Principle number three is this, is, is know what you're trying to accomplish. 
Like this was really, really clear to Jesus. As a matter of fact, when he was only 12 years old, there's this great story. Speaking of baby dedication, don't don't do this. They lost Jesus. I mean, he's 12 years old. You ever lost your kid at the mall and freaked out? My mom lost me. I was found. I made it. I'm here. Um, don't lose your kids, though, right? That's the walk away for, for Mary in this story. But the walk away for Jesus was different. Jesus was in the temple hanging out after they'd left. They traveled in these big packs and caravans. And like, it, it was it's fascinating because it's so painful as a parent. It says, after three days, Mary turned around like, wait, 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 where's Jesus? He's your firstborn child. Remember the whole son of God thing? The angel, dear Lord, we should watch this one. My goodness, what kind of a parent are you? Don't do that. And so after about three days, we're like, whoa, 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 wait. Anybody seen Jesus? No. Golly, bum. And they go back to Jerusalem. They find him in the, find him in the temple. Mom is wore out, stressed out, flipping out. And Jesus is like, what? That's what he's like, what? You knew I was going to be about my father's business. Like, I know what I'm about. Like, I, I, I may be 12, but I'm pretty focused. <laughs> I'm 12, but I know why I'm here. I'm 12, and I know what my mission is. I'm 12, but I know what I'm trying to accomplish. When you set your mind to what you're trying to accomplish, I promise it, it's going to be a really, really blessed life. Here's why, and I wrote this down. You need to take notes on this. When we don't have preset priorities, we surrender to the tyranny of the urgent. See, many of us don't have priorities that are predetermined. Like, because if I asked you, hey, is your family a priority? Oh, yeah, of course, of course, of course. Okay, then how does that actually map out with your schedule, with your finances, with the way that you think and how you prioritize your life? Because if you only say my family is a priority after the fact and nothing is actually set in your budget and in your schedule that reflects that, I'm telling you it's not a true priority. They have to show up in the real world. Does that make sense? We're not talking about intent because I know you love your family. That's your intent. That's not your priority. There's a difference. Intent is the way that your heart feels about a thing. And I know that many of you feel great about your family. Priority has to do with time and schedule and money. That's how priorities are really set. And so when we don't have preset values, preset priorities, we just react, don't we? We react to the urgent. We react to whatever we have going on right then. We react to whatever's right in front of us. And what happens is we get caught up in some of the most urgent things. And in light of that, we miss the most important things. And Jesus said, no, 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 I'm set my face like Flint. I know exactly who I am. I know who I'm trying to please. And I know where I'm going. Let's keep going here. Principle number four is this. Focus on one thing at a time. Everybody say, duh. But we don't always do that, do we? Because it sounds good. You're like, of course, certainly, you know. If everything's the priority, nothing's the priority. You know, we got to focus somewhere. And so, but many of us don't live life that way. This is why, and we talk about stress, we talk about the pressure, we talk about the weight and the burden of life. Many of us are so stressed out because we look at all that is on our plate, and by looking at all that is on our plate, we get overwhelmed by what is in front of us. And here's the best thing that you can do. Flip it and make those things line up one after the other. Because you can't do more than one thing at a time anyway. Hey, watch this. Look at what you, this, this blew my mind. I read this for the first time years ago that it really jumped out at me. And it's always stood out me every time I've passed over it again in life. Listen to this. Luke chapter four, verse 40, 42 says, so it was daytime, it was morning. And he departed and went to a deserted place. He was going to get some alone time. And the crowd sought him and came to him and tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must preach the gospel to the other cities also, because for this, everybody say purpose. 
for this purpose I've been sent. So like Jesus had this sense of purpose, this sense of like, I know where I'm going and I know what I need to accomplish. And I know there's five things around me that I could do, but I can't do everything. I've got to focus on the one thing and I'm going to put my focus on the important thing, not necessarily the most urgent thing. Because if you live your life just responding to the urgent, you're going to get to the end of your life and feel unsatisfied because you will have accomplished very little. You look at the end of your life and say, okay, I was busy. I always had stuff going on. But what is the actual fruit and result of my life? And it's hard to find a lot there. It's hard to measure it. Why? Because we, we, we were focused on the urgent. And we missed the important. Hey, this is why margin's so important, by the way. Because many of you... The reason why you can't focus is there's just too many things altogether. And some of you, the best thing that you could ever do to relieve your stress is, hey, watch, watch this real quick. Everybody say, everybody say no. No, no, this is, you know, this is terrible. Everybody say no. There, that's better. Sometimes you need to say no. You cannot do everything. And if you try to take on everything, you're going to wear yourself out and put undue stress and burdens. So at some point in time, you have to say no. You cannot commit to everything. You cannot go to every birthday party. You cannot go to every social event. You cannot have your kid in every single sport. You cannot overcommit yourself. Because that keeps you from being able to focus on what is important, not just what is urgent. So at some point, you have to learn the art of saying no. And you say it nice. I mean, you have to be like, no. No, thank you. Okay, just go the nice way. So focus on one thing at a time. Number five is this. And we've got, we got two more to go here. Number five is, don't go it alone. Don't go it alone. Watch, watch Jesus here. Jesus went up onto a mountainside and called to him those he wanted. <laughs> I'm not calling the ones I don't like. Um, there's, a, there's a rule. Don't ever hire anybody you won't go on vacation with. So anyway, um, so, and they came to him. He appointed 12. Everybody say 12. He appointed 12. I was like, that side of the room got it right. All right, everybody, everybody say 12. Now you guys join in. Everybody, so he got called 12 men that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. And it, it continues to go on and it described that. Now, here's what Jesus models. Jesus is one person, right? He was God, but he confined himself to a body. He was limited to time and space and location. The man had to walk. man had to use the bathroom. He had to live just like you and I did. So can he do everything? No. So what do you do? Delegate. Get people around you. You cannot do everything on your own. And guess, he sent them out to preach. Now, let me ask you a question here. Were these guys good preachers? Probably not. Was, okay, here's a better question. Was Jesus a better preacher than them? Of course he was. Absolutely. Son of God. You got all kinds of nuggets and thoughts there. And so, you're a genius. Um, my point is, is that when you don't, de- usually you don't delegate. Number one, sometimes we don't delegate because we're prideful. We, we have these statements like, well, look. If it needs to get done right, I need to do it myself. And nobody can do it as good as I can do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And what you're doing is you're, you're kind of being egocentric and making it all about you. And you're robbing them of an opportunity to grow and learn. And for you to expand your influence, multiply your influence instead of being a singular individual. That, that's number one. The other reason why we don't delegate sometimes is because of insecurity. We're afraid. We're afraid, well, what if they're outperforming me? What if they're better than me? What if they look better than I do? What if, well, you know, we have all these reasons. I'm telling you, like, you've got to learn to delegate. You cannot do everything and you cannot do what you do. Alone. I remember I, I, I talked to a, this is funny, I talked to a mom just a couple of weeks ago and she was so stressed out and I didn't, she wasn't asking me for help. She was just describing her home and her family and how stressed she was and, and she's got two little kids that, I don't know, 9, 10, 11, right in there in that age and, and, and uh, I'm like, oh, okay, well, yeah, you should, man, you should have your kids do that. So I'm at the house, like chores around the house. I'm like, you should have your kids do that. I said, my kids don't do any chores. I'm like, why the heck not? That's free labor. 
You, you lost your mind. My kids do stuff. My kids work. Why? Because the home is stay-at-home mom's wives, dad's house is stress-related. Laundry never stops. It just don't stop. It's like a monster. Man, make your kids work. It builds character. It helps them build a work ethic. Make them make their bed. Make them take out the trash. Make them do the make them do some stuff. And stay at home, mom, dad, whoever you get a little bit less stress. I promise you, you create little soldiers. That's what you want. Delegate. You cannot go life through life alone. And this is why it's so important to be a part of a church. To be a part of a community of faith, to be in a small group. Uh, you know, I had the privilege. I had a, I had a gentleman in my, in my small group that um, had the most terrible story. He broke his leg in like two places. And man, I find out about it. And all of a sudden I go and there's people from the small group already there. And I'm bringing him a mocha and some magazines. And it's just, you, you don't want to go through life alone. You don't want to be alone. That's why the Bible says two is better than one. Three is even better. Nobody likes being alone. If they fall down in the ditch, nobody's there to pick them up. That's why you need to answer your phone when your friend calls, right? Just putting that out there. Anyway, so number five was don't go it alone. Surround yourself with good people, godly people, people that lift you up in a time of need. They will relieve the stress. Number six, last one is this. Here we go. Take time away. I'm ready to go back to the screen. Take time away. Do you know that the Bible commands that you take a break? Did you know that? This is a thing called Sabbath. You know what the whole point of the Sabbath was? Stop it. Rest. Have a date night. Chill out. You don't got to work seven days a week because you think it all matters about you. You need to take a break. And so you need to take time away. God actually, watch this. This is the, this is the life of Jesus. The only person I've built this whole set of principles on was Jesus, right? Watch this. Matthew 11. I'm sorry, uh, Mark chapter 1. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Jesus said, y'all leave me alone. Stop it. No, I'm going to go and be alone. I need some alone time. And I mean, here's what you need to have. This is what Jesus modeled. In your alone time, you need to have some prayer time. There is something about prayer and, and, and reading the scriptures and meditating on scriptures. There's something about those two things, that dynamic. I promise it will bring you peace like you've never felt before. There's just something unique about it. That is where you relieve the burden. That is where you, you kind of lift off whatever's on you and you give it to the Lord. That's where you do that. And people, I know this to be a fact, people that have, especially if they do it in the morning, people that have a quiet time, a private time, a, a place where they spend time with the Lord on a daily basis or a routine basis, they are more peaceful people. They don't carry the stress. Why? Because every morning I'm waking up and I'm making sure that God is actively involved in everything that I do. And he sets my priorities and he sets my values and he sets my focus. And he puts me at peace because I realize I'm not doing it alone. That God, my heavenly father, is with me. And when you don't have that private time and that personal time with the Lord, I'm telling you, you are, you, you would never say this. It's not the intent. Remember we talked about the difference between intent and priority. The intent of your heart is pure. I'm not questioning that. But the priority is not there. And because the priority of a time spent with God is not there, you, you stressed out. The second thing, watch this. Jesus in Mark chapter 6 verse 31. So they went by themselves. They went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. Sometimes Jesus would just go. He didn't even say he prayed. He's like, I'm going. Sometimes he'd go to the mountains. Sometimes he'd go to the desert. He just, I get to get away from y'all people. Y'all are tripping. Y'all are taxing me, wearing me out. I got to go. And so he just leaves. Why? 
Sometimes, not only do you need a time away for prayer, sometimes you need time away just for pure relaxation. As a matter of fact, there was this woman in my church uh, years ago when I first started pastoring, and she she left. I think she thought I was a loon because she was so stressed out. And I gave her some of the typical responses, but I said, you know what you need to do? Because every time I give her an answer about, you know, praying about this or seeing God about this or what about the Bible says about this, she just kept having all these answers and excuses. So finally, I'm like, you know what? You just need to go get a massage. That's what you need. You need to go get a massage. Just go. Go get a massage. And I think she thought I was like unspiritual (laughs) or something. I don't know. Maybe I'm not. I don't know. I was like, just go get a massage. I think she she thought I was like a very unspiritual pastor. Sometimes you just need a break. Sometimes you need a vacation. You need an extended Sabbath. You need time away just to relax and recharge. And Jesus modeled that. He modeled it through getting away. He modeled it through getting away and having a quiet time with the Lord. I'm telling you, you need to take time away. And here's what happens when you begin to live by these six principles. Here's the, here's the big, big picture here. Is when you live life this way, you are in essence giving all of that stress to the Lord. That's what you're doing. You're, you're, you're relieving that burden. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, verse number 28. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Remember, they didn't have the word stress. We came up with that after the 1800s. Remember, we took it from a, a physics term to a people term because of how we were living life. But they were weary and they were burdened. So he says, come to me, those of you who are stressed out. I'm going to give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When you follow God and you stick with Jesus, and even if you say, man, I, this is all new to me, I'm telling you, if you just, just stick to the principal parts of things, stick to the thought of time away, of, of delegating some of those things, you're, you're going to be better off. But I'm telling you, the ultimate peace, the ultimate satisfaction of life, it only comes from knowing God and having a relationship with God. Notice Jesus did not say, come unto me, all ye who are weary and heavy burdened, and I'm going to give you a new set of rules, and then I'm going to guilt you when you fail, and I'm going to put more burden on you, and I'm going to wear you out. I'm going to make this really, really hard, and I'm going to get you when you don't go to church on Sunday morning. But some of us feel that way. God's going to get me. Yeah, God wants to get you so he can love you. God wants to get you so he can make your life have that sense of peace and purpose and satisfaction. Yeah, God wants to get you. God wants to get you to a better place. God wants to get you to a higher level. God wants to get you into a relationship with him. Yeah, God wants to get you because he loves you. I want you to live life stress-free. And guess what? Life's still going to happen and circumstances are still going to mount up and you're going to find moments where you're wanting, you're going to do this and hair's going to come out. Or some of you that already took place, but listen. I want you to know that you can live life connected to Jesus. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. If you will live like this, I'm telling you, because here's, here's the deal. When you live a life where you're not constantly burdened by stress, you know what you really get to do? You get to live that blessed life where you get to be the best dad that you can be or the best wife or the best husband or the best employee, or whatever it is. Why? Because when you're stressed, your mind is somewhere else. When you're stressed, you're not in the moment where you ought to be. And I'm telling you, all of a sudden that stress relieves. And now all of a sudden, wow, I know who I am. I know where I'm going. I know who I'm trying to please. And all of a sudden you find yourself in the sweet spot of life. Right smack dab in the middle of God's will. God's plan for your life. That's what I want. That's what God wants for you. 
Do me a favor, bow your heads and close your eyes and let's pray today. Father, I pray, God, that you would help us, God, to walk out of this place and to change some of the things that we're doing, to change some of the things in our schedule, to change maybe some of our spending habits. For some of us, it's changing some of the ways that we live life that are just producing more stress. And so, God, let us live a life, not trying to avoid stress, but, God, rather live a life trying to be right in the middle of your presence. And when we're there, God, we know that we're all right. When we're there, we know that you're with us. When we're there, we know that we can do all things through you who strengthen us, God. I pray that we would change our mind about stress, that we would change our mind about the way that we see and live life, God. And let us go out, God, and begin to live a life that's pleasing to you, God. Right on point, right on purpose. Father, we pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. And we all said amen and amen. Can you give the Lord a big hand clap this morning?